0: Peter declared that Jesus was Messiah. That means Savior, the only Savior. Not only did he declare that Jesus was Messiah, he declared him to be his Savior in doing that. And those are huge, those are huge statements to be made. And so, in, in this teaching last week, we kind of got out the mirror to see if um, what our actions as Christians, if our actions line up with our declaration that Jesus... Is master. And so um, we want to take it a little further today because right after Peter made these true statements, first he was edified by Jesus, then second he was rebuked by Jesus. And so this is important because Jesus uses this conversation with Peter and the disciples and others that are around to teach us what true discipleship looks like. So let's read um, Mark chapter 8:27 through 30. Then we're going to skip real quickly to Matthew 16:17 to 19 and then back to Mark 8 with the rest of the chapter 31 to 38. So let's read this. Mark 8, starting verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that I am?" And they told him, "John the Baptist; others say Elijah; others say one of the prophets." And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you're the Christ. And he strictly charged him to tell no one about him. Now let's jump to Matthew 16:17 to 19. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, that means son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, then we're going to jump back to Mark chapter 8. Because Mark didn't, Mark didn't place that response in there, but Matthew did. And so we want to unpack that just to get a little bit bigger part of the, the context of the story. But now let's go back to Mark chapter 8, verse uh, 31 through the rest of the chapter. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things... And be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said plainly, he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy. Angels, all right, guys. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to unpack what this what this means uh, to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow Jesus. So, let's pray. Okay, God, um, uh, please speak clearly. Even right now, that uh, the way we've sung Scripture um, and 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 spoken Scripture, God, that those are the most trustworthy points of this service, God, and we just pray, Father, you'd use, use that and use the um, leadership that comes through uh, Matt and Dave and through me today, and that you will do powerful, transforming things for those that are part of Sojourn, for those that are guests here, for those that are friends that are here, people even that are listening to this sometime in the future, that you would work powerfully, Lord, uh, through uh, what you speak to us, God. Um, we don't just need more information, though. We need transformation. And so, um, and, and I challenge all of us, starting with me, take just a moment. You may even want to kind of open your hands up, kind of palms up, and just say, God, would you, would you come and, and, and do a, a transforming work in me? I'm open to it. Just, just do that and just kind of rest there for a second. through us now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's 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 take a look at the Matthew 16 passage, because uh, the first part is what we covered last week. So let's look back at this, where it says, Jesus answered and blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. All right? So Jesus responds to Peter and basically saying, Peter, man, that was a bullseye. I asked you I asked you guys what other people were saying, then I said, Now what do you think? Who who am I? And you absolutely hit it out of the park, Peter. It's such a perfect answer, Peter. You can't take credit for it. Peter, you, you didn't you didn't come up with that. You know, he's saying, This didn't come from flesh and blood. This didn't come from you, Peter. I just want you to know, and I want everybody who listens to this as it's spoken about and as it's recorded and proclaimed for the generations to come, that you would know a real understanding, a real eyesight, a real hearing of who the real God is. It's something you will never come up with because you're that broken. Now that goes to show you how merciful God is, to look down on all the broken people like you and me and to say, I will overcome your brokenness and I will do something in you that brings life. I mean, that's amazing that God is that good of a God. It was revealed, it was given to you by my fathers, what he was saying to Peter. Folks, Christians are those who clearly see Jesus as the only Savior and they surrender to Him. We cannot even take credit for that aha moment. The Father must reveal it to us. The Holy Spirit does a powerful work of bringing life and sight to us. And and I just want to pause for a second and just ask you all to bow your heads for a second. You guys are Christians. And I want you to thank God. Say, thank you, God, that you revealed yourself to me. Everybody stop. just, Just a moment and do that. Thank you, Lord. Now, further, um, he goes on and says, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I shall build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm not going to unpack all the juicy stuff that's in there. It's powerful. We don't have time. It's not the direction we're supposed to go to. But he says something about Peter, and he says something about the church. In here, in the church, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to birth the church and freedom is going to come to the world through the birthing of the church. And, and just so you know, I, I, for years I was, I was uh, mistaken in just the way that I looked at this verbiage because I thought, I thought, oh, and listen, you don't have to be afraid because the demons aren't going to be able to bust the doors down to get you. They're not going to be able to attack you and take you down. Because it's the complete opposite. He's saying, look, it's so powerful what I'm going to do that the gates of hell won't withstand what I do through the church. And that's huge for you to know because, man, life is tough. And some of y'all, you've been, you've been praying for, for family members for years, decades. Some of you it's like, God, please have mercy. Please, please save my friends, save, save my wife, save my kids. God, please do this work. I just want you to know that the gates of hell will not withstand the work of God. And He's going to do it through, through you. And, and, and I, I can't promise anybody that anybody that you know will be saved. But what you need to do is just have a hope. Just say, all right, God, it's on you. And I'm just going to go to my grave trusting that this friend you placed around me, this family member, that it's no accident that we're together and I'm just going to trust that the day is coming that you, the door is going to be busted down and you're going to rip them out from the kingdom of darkness and you're going to make them into, your, into a son or, or a daughter. And that's that's what I'd encourage you guys to do as well, is just to know that. But there's something that also that's being said about Peter that's here. Um, talking about a leadership that's being given to Peter, not to the point that the Roman Catholic Church has um, of, of a pope, of a, of a vicar, of someone who is, who is the representation of Jesus. But nevertheless, there is, there is an understanding, a biblical understanding of leadership that's here. He's recognized as a leader of leaders. Because this is the group. These are the disciples that will become the apostles by which the church is birthed, and it goes all over the world. Okay, And among those guys... Jesus is saying, look, Peter, um, you're going to be the leader. You're going to be the leader here. Now, just, if, you know, if you've know, if you read through this biography of Jesus some, you can look back and you can already see that Peter has already had influence. He's already been a leader. So it's not something that's going to surprise everybody. It's something there's already been skill. There's already been gifting within Peter. But now Jesus is making it official to be able to say, God, Peter, that among these other guys, you are not greater than them. You're not more valuable than them. But you are a leader among these, these leaders. Being ordained by Jesus to, to, lead, to be a leader among the disciples and the apostles. It's part of the reason that we believe that God not only calls pastors and elders to lead a church. Um, he calls a plurality of leadership um, to lead a church. But God also will ordain that there will be someone that has influence among those as well to be a leader among the leaders. Equal value and responsibility, but again, where, where there's somebody that a lot of them look to, say, lead us. And we believe in a plurality of leadership in the local church. Currently, I'm the only elder, I'm the only pastor here at Sojourn Church, but it will not always be that way. God will call other men, God will raise up other men in our church. Will have the, they'll have the call of God on their life to carry the weight of uh, following Christ and leading the church uh, with me. And, um, and, and I'll be a part of helping to equip them to where, as equals, we're able to have the same say. You know? Even though I'm a lead pastor, I don't have more say than other elders uh, that would be in, in the church. Now, in the meantime, we've got provisions in our church, um, by having a leadership team, uh, which is uh, Luke Doran, Dave Burke, Jeff Webb, and these men walk with me, they watch my back, they love my family, my wife, and we love each other's families, um, they hold me accountable, they, they pastor me, shepherd me, check on me as as well, and that's a part of what plurality of leadership means and uh, assist me in, in leading our church and I'm so very grateful for you men, um, and walking with me. And so Peter has gotten accolades from Jesus, and now it's been publicized that he has a calling in his life. Now it seems that with, with this, that he would have a pretty solid future track record of uh, faithfulness, right? You'd think so. But let's jump back to Mark chapter 8 and take a look at what happens immediately. Mark eight thirty one. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said this plainly. He said it plainly. So up until this point, I mean, Jesus, many times, he will heal somebody, then he'll say, don't go tell anybody. And then as he starts starts to leak out more information of what's going on and all. I mean, there's a lot of times he'll just say, now just keep that to yourself, okay? Now's not the appropriate time for us to go and blast everything that that you know about me and about me as Messiah. Um, But he's saying, and he's been mysterious even with with the disciples, Like, and that's part of the reason why Peter is about to do what he does, because he doesn't fully understand. He has his own thought of, this is God's direction in my life and in the world. And he starts clarifying of how it really is going to go, he says it plainly that, look, guys, I'm going to be rejected by all these leaders. I'm going to be killed, okay? So as a result of that, verse 32, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Um, some of you all are pretty soft-spoken, and, and you just can't imagine can't imagine doing this. Some of y'all are more extroverted or more of a risk taker and you can imagine partly, but I'm just here to tell you that I do this. I rebuke God at times. And if you're a Christian, so do you. There are times in which God starts clarifying either through circumstances or through his leading, through through the Word of God or through others that God has walking with you, a direction that is different from what you want or what you're comfortable with. And you begin rebuking them, begin rebuking the Bible, begin rebuking Jesus. It may not be uh, all the way conscious in this way, but you begin pushing back against Jesus. I do this and you do this. Because whatever you think, do you know you think that because you think it's right? And wherever you go, whatever decision you make, you do that because ultimately you think it's going to be for your best benefit. Do you realize that one of the greatest things that can happen to you is for you to know that there's a lot of self-deception in you? There's a lot of things you just don't get. There's a lot of areas in which your concept of what right is is really focused on being a universe that's that circles you that it's about you and many times we don 't even know it and so it's man very uncomfortable when when we start seeing Jesus challenge us and certainly we we rebuke him in our own way um, verse 33 turning and seeing his disciples so he's saying this not just Not just uh, privately, um, but publicly. Now it's interesting because Peter pulled him aside privately and Jesus rebuked him publicly. And it's because they needed to know. They needed to know um, what he was saying to Peter. He he wanted them to hear this because it was going to be beneficial for their lives because they, in their own hearts, maybe not right now, but in their own hearts, they rebuked Jesus too. We needed to know this. It needed to be very public so that we would know that we lean toward our own self-interest, which is off-kilter anyway. And so he, he publicly said this, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And um, you've got scholars who will debate back and forth of all right, who was Jesus really talking to. you got some who will just say, Man, he was... He was talking to Peter and Peter alone. He was calling Peter Satan because of just the, just the ugliness of, of his heart and his intentions uh, in this. you got others who would say, no, he was, he was not talking to Peter. He was talking to Satan only and was rebuking Satan. Um, it's, not, it's not clear exactly. What I believe is he was, actually, he was speaking to both of them. Um, he was speaking to the heart of his friend He loved loved, uh, Peter enough to say, I'm I'm not going to let this go. I want you to know that where you would like to take me is wrong. And therefore, I love you enough that I'm going to correct you. But for us to also know, and this is important as Christians, for us to know that a lot of the places the motivations for, by which we want to go and do our own thing, it's, it's because of the flesh that's within, inside of us and a very real enemy that does want to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and so s- Jesus wants to rebuke the enemy that presses our buttons as well. And this is, this is important because um, we don't need to place it all on us to where we just totally condemn ourselves. We need to own it say God I, I do own my attitude I want to make you go in my direction rather than me go in your direction but we also need to know that God loves us enough that he says you're not I've made you a new person and really the the temptations and what's going on in you is because you do have an enemy that wants to destroy you so I'm rebuking that that enemy as well and I believe we should rebuke our enemy in Jesus' name not our own name. So, so he's rebuking him because he, uh, Peter has his own thoughts of, like, of, of saying, okay, no, this is not the way that, that we're supposed to go, Jesus. Uh, and through this, um, Jesus is starting to unpack of what it means to truly follow him, truly to submit to him. Now, first and foremost, if we talk about being a Christ follower, It means that we recognize that our ways are not his ways, that our motivations are tainted, that we worship the God of self way too easily. Um, And even in Christian faith, we try to manipulate God to do what we want. That that's just a, a bent that we have. Now, see, this is what was happening. Jesus proclaimed that he must die. He must be a sacrificial lamb. In fact, he must be the sacrificial lamb. And Peter said no. So what, was his, what were his motivations? It's not clear, but here's a couple of thoughts of what his motivations might have been. One, his motivation, Peter's motivation might have been good but wrong. He might have been just saying, no, Jesus, it's, it would be wrong for you to be killed because you're king. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to protect you, Jesus. And, and he tried later on when they came to arrest him. And, and just out of, a, out of a good motivation, to, be able to say, I'll, I'll shield you. I'll give my life. I'll do everything so that you don't have to die, Jesus. And so, Jesus, no. No, that's not the path. You're wrong, Jesus. That can't be the way. You can't be defeated. You're too good. That's a good heart, but wrong. Wrong. Secondly, it could be a motivation that was selfish and wrong. It could have been something along the lines of jesus um, you, you know you just set me up for leadership here. you just publicly called called me out and and uh, if, if you go down i am going down too i mean i I know that I know that uh, you don't want things to go badly for me because you've called me and you got these plans. From my life. Um, therefore, they can't go badly for you either. So, selfish and, and wrong. Guys, we naturally lean toward a, a worldview that says, if my circumstances are okay, then I'm okay. God loves me. If, if things are okay around me, then then God loves me. That shows me that God loves me. And People will love me if everything's okay in my life. People will think that I'm a good Christian, that I'm a good person if everything's okay around me. I will be in control that way. And I will know that I'm okay. But guys, that is not the life that God intends for you or for me. He doesn't doesn't have an okay life. He doesn't have a comfortable life that's that's ahead of you. It wasn't the life that Jesus, had, that Jesus had for Himself. It was through Jesus' suffering that He brought hope to others. Do you hear that? Through Jesus' suffering, He brought hope to the world. And the ramifications are that by following Christ, listen, by you and me following Christ, hope comes to others through us. But we will suffer. As our Savior did. Not necessarily the same way. But we will suffer. It's a hard worldview to wrestle with. Um, And and if you're wrestling with it, my advice to you, tap out. Tap out, you guys. Stop pushing back. Stop rebuking Jesus over your worldview. And when He rebukes you for it, receive it. Know that it's out of love that He's doing this. He loves you enough to say, you got, you got the wrong philosophy. You're, you're thinking wrongly about me and what I'm trying to do in this world. It's very important. I, in fact, I challenge you to go home today or in the next 24 hours that you'd get a sheet of paper and just say, what do I think, what do I think God's really up to in this world, in, in history? What do I think God is really up to? And write it out. And what you'll do is you will start reflecting your worldview of what you really think. And, and be as honest as possible. When you start seeing, it's like, you know what, I know I shouldn't think this, but this is this is kind of the way I live. Be honest. And you will write out what you think that God really should be up to. And then take a step back and look at it. And maybe compare it to somebody that you're walking discipleship out with, a, the, a journey group that you're in here at Sojourn. And, and be able to say, you know what? This is honestly where where I'm at, of what I think God's, God's about, because that's what happened to Peter. He revealed what he thought God was about. And Jesus is like, man, Peter, we got a long way to go. Verse 34. Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I told you all last week, That two of the most important questions were found in there of uh, who do others say that I am and who do you say that I am? Now, guys, some of the most important phrases in all of Scripture are right here because he defines this is what it means to truly be a worshiper of Jesus Christ and to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And he says it plainly deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And it begs questions. It begs a couple of questions. First of all, if we're to follow Christ, then it begs question number one, where did Jesus go? And number two, where is Jesus going now? So what did He do that He's saying, follow me in this lifestyle? But then what is He doing now? As, as He's ahead of you in your life, to say, all right, God, how do I follow you today, this week, this month? year? How do I follow you? And, and you need to, you need to wrestle through those, those questions. That's a good thing. Again, maybe get together with a friend, grab some lunch, grab some coffee and, and, and go over those questions of, of, uh, this is where, I, where I think Jesus went. This is where I think he's going now. It says, take up your cross. Um, the Romans by this time, um, they had, they had killed thousands and thousands of people. By crucifixion, it was a brutal, brutal death that they went through, um, and it was one that was intended to inflict shame upon upon these these men primarily, because uh, I mean they would they would nail them naked to the cross, okay, and and I don't know if you've if you've kind of glazed over and, and processing that, but, but you need to rethink that. The shame, the humiliation of of any person dying in public naked. That's brutal. Now take it to the next degree of thinking that is what Jesus did. That's what He did for the glory of the Godhead and because He loves you so much. Can you imagine that shame? I don't know. I don't know anyone In my life, in my surroundings, that's had that kind of shame placed upon them in their life. And our God did that, did that for us. For many, uh, crucifixion was reserved for the ones who they were a threat to Roman rule, to those who would cause insurrection and rebellion. And you know what? They got it right. Jesus, Jesus was an insurgent in a whole different kind of a way. There was insurrection that was in his blood. And I don't mean violence. I mean, it's nothing, nothing like insurgents that that we would know of, of people who, who bomb and kill others. It's not something, the kingdom of God is not something that uses violence to be able to press, press forward, at least not physical violence and oppression, but it's something where Physical violence and oppression comes upon our God Himself to be able to bring freedom to us, to bring a whole new reign, a whole new rule, a new kingdom to where He'd say, look, this is what radical devotion to a king looks like. And He says, I'll model it because I will do this for my God, I mean, for my dad. Jesus is God, always been God. The Holy Spirit's the one who is within Him. And filled him and connected him to the to the will of the Father, and he said, I'm doing this for my Father and for his kingdom. He modeled it. Later on, it's, he's I mean, it's this was in this was in the future from when from this point in this story, but he's saying, Look, I'm gonna show you what it means to sacrifice yourself for the glory of my dad. The God of the universe. says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Your cross. Let's un- unpack that a little bit. Of Denying ourselves, taking up your cross. Verse 35, 36, 37. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for a soul? Guys, this is what Jesus did. He denied himself and he took up his cross. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8 says this. says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Right. Now now I just want to stop for just a second. That's not saying that he was unequal to God. It was saying that a lot of the the benefits to, to staying the way things staying the way they were, of him just being within the Godhead and not coming in human form, he said, I'm not going to hold on to that and grip on to that. Rather, I will release that. I will sacrifice parts of that, not parts of his deity. He was always God. He's always been God, always will be God but in becoming the God-man. There were things that He let go for Him to walk out and model a life where He was also filled with the Holy Spirit connected to, to His Father through that. He said it wouldn't be something to be grasped or to be held on to, but this is what He did. He emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, look back at Look back at that. First of all, it says in verse 5, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Because he's, he's just, he's just, Paul has just shown us this is what it means for, for Jesus in taking up His cross for the glory of His dad, for the glory of Himself, for the glory of the Holy Spirit, what it really means. And then he's saying, now for us, this is what it means for us to process through denying ourselves taking up our cross and following Him, He's saying, look, have this mind. It's yours in Christ Jesus. Some of us will look and just say, David, it just sounds so foreign. I'm I'm so far from walking that out that I don't know what to do with this. And I'm telling you that God has placed it within you because the Holy Spirit is within you. And so you need to repent and believe the Gospel. You need to say, "All right, God, I'm not going to refuse... I'm not going to reject that because I haven't lived it. I'm going to say I believe because the Holy Spirit's within me and is given, gives me the mind to be able to follow Christ to where I can live a different way, to where I also, in a different way than what Jesus did, I empty myself. To where we're able to take the form of a servant instead of a, a Lord or a Master. And, and I, we say this every once in a while, that just imagine every day that you wake up on the throne of your life. And as a Christian, your job is to get off the throne as fast as you can. Because you don't belong there. I don't belong there. That we just, we just naturally, we have this bent to get, get on the throne. To where we want to we be in charge. And, and, and what he's saying is, look, empty yourself. Deny yourself. Deny that urge that part of it, a big part of it comes from an enemy that wants to see you destroyed. Deny it. Empty yourself of that crap. And rather, rather than saying, I'm going to be Lord of me, that you say, God, I'm going to be servant of my real Lord. And say this. Pray this to God. No, no, don't just think it. Say this. Uh, that next part in, in Philippians says to humble Ourselves before God and others that we just we literally do that that we say God I I want to humble myself before you. There's nothing magical about about kneeling or bowing, but you know what? Did you know that a lot of times that our hearts and our minds follow what our bodies do? And you're a holistic person, and um, I just encourage you. And and if and if you're like, well, I'm not comfortable with that in in, in public, um, that you just Start in private, you know, that, that you would humble your body as well as your mind and your heart. And you say, God, I, I want to dramatize that I'm humbling myself before you, God. And help me, help me to humble myself. And then says to become obedient unto death to where we, we just say, God, I, I want that. I, I want to be obedient to you. I want to reckon myself dead to the life that I wanted to live And I want to live the life that you have because you've made me alive in you, in Christ, like Romans 6 says. I mean, what if we said, what if we said, Jesus, I'll follow you however you desire. God, you declare what the cross looks like. He said, carry your cross. It didn't say carry his cross. It didn't say carry the cross of of your spouse or your sister, your brother, your friend. It says carry your cross. That means God has suffering you i know that's hard it's hard to it's hard to to take um it's not so hard to imagine because you live it but to know that god doesn't want to destroy you he wants to transform you and he will use discomfort he'll use suffering in your life to make you more like him and less like yourself So you de- you declare the cross jesus and i'll carry it whatever you say however long you want my life to be, God, may it be filled with me carrying the cross rather than sitting on the throne. Guys, this saves you. It saves me. I don't, I don't mean salvation of it. This is what keeps us as being a son or daughter. This is, what, this is what we're free to do as a son or a daughter of God. Is we're able to just say, alright, God, I, you're not condemning me. but Help me. Help me to walk this out. You lose your life for the sake of Christ and the gospel. Lose your life. Let that sink in, guys. Ponder it. In your living, what would it mean to lose your life? To be able to say, every dream that I have, God, I place at the altar and you give only what you want to give back to me. That takes a lot of faith. There's some things that you know that you're know that you supposed to do in your life. There's some dreams and aspirations that you have that you're a little nervous or you're big nervous to be able just to say with open hands, I say, God, I hand everything that you've given to me because I don't own it anyway. Take whatever you want out of my hand and place whatever you want back in It, it takes a ton of faith to do that. But you know what, guys? Trust Him. He is a good God. It says He's a dad that knows how to give good gifts to His children. That even a pagan, even a mobster knows how to give good gifts to their children. How much more is your heavenly dad? Trust Him. Place it all. And then allow allow Him to say, yeah, I'm not going to take that from you. I'm the one that's behind it. But He at least wants us to have the faith enough to be able to say, God, every day I, I just offer You who I am and what I have in my hands for you to use however you want offer all my skills offer all my relationships for you to keep or take away whatever you want your God not me takes faith that's another thing that maybe in a group later on this week or over coffee to be able to process and say honestly this is where I've got difficulties with that or to be able to say this is how God's working in my life in that come deny yourself Take up your cross. Follow Him. This is a life posture. Do this every day. God, stop trying to save your own life. Lose it in Christ and you'll find it. It's a whole new worldview. Find yourself in a radical abandon of your own ways and in the direction and the, the will of Jesus Christ. Verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes to the glory comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels now guys the whoever is ashamed this is this is to help us to analyze especially in a religious setting like like that first century was with all the jews that were around who thought that they had it together it's like the bible belt people born and raised in church and there's a lot of folks that have never surrendered to Christ. Wants us to, wants us to analyze if we're ashamed. Christians, are you ashamed of Christ? Religious people? Spiritual folks? Are you truly a worshiper of Christ? Have you ever surrendered? Because guys, when our hearts are changed, when we really surrender to Christ, we lose our care for what others think. And we become recklessly abandoned in our devotion to Jesus Christ. That's, that's the direction that's the what God does. He starts doing a work in us. It's not like flipping the switch and we're there, but it's a it's a process that God starts taking in our life, and, uh, and ultimately the word shame here it, it connects us back to the whole thing of being on the cross and the shame that came because there's going to be a shame one way or the other. Either we're going to be ashamed of following Christ, or we will be ashamed, we'll be shamed for following Christ, or we'll be ashamed of Christ. It says that He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. That He's going to come again someday. But that that also just shows us that everything that He ever did was for the glory of His Father. This is the way of Jesus Christ that a disciple is called to First of all, that your life is all for the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the way of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus did in His devotion to the glory of His Father, there was suffering that came, there was shame that came, but that brought great glory to God and brought redemption and hope and change to those that were around Him. The same pitch is to us. That our life would be for the glory of God, knowing there's going to be suffering, knowing there will be shame that comes, but to live a life that brings glory to God and it will bring hope. And we're not the hope, but through walking this out, saying, God, I'll embrace whatever suffering you want. I'll embrace whatever shame that, that needs to come for following Christ so that hope is sent and given to others because of that those with a changed heart do not stay ashamed of Christ. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that we don't fall prey to our own agendas, um, because we see that immediately with Peter. He immediately had his own agendas. OK, and so. Being a Christian, it doesn't mean that we're, there's not times in which we do are ashamed of Christ, um, but it also doesn't Being a Christian also doesn't mean there aren't times that we don't betray Jesus, because we also see that in Peter as well. Jesus died on the cross, and Peter denied even knew Jesus. So please don't think, I mean, you guys who are adopted, and man, God's changed your hearts, you don't need to start saying, oh man, I'm, I'm ashamed, or I betray, and I sin, so maybe I'm not a Christian. That's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is it means that if our lifestyle, if who we are, we're apathetic about God, we never change, we never grow, we never confess our sins to God, we're never brokenhearted over our sin. Then that's an indication that we are not a Christian. Do, 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 I hope do you hear the distinction? Christians sin. Christians are sometimes they're ashamed of Christ. Christians betray Jesus, but they don't stay that way. There's an ongoing pattern of God doing a work of repentance in us. And so I want to bring warning to anyone who's listening to me in this Bible Belt or, or from beyond. Because there are a lot of religious people, just like the Jews back then, that they were ashamed of Jesus, that they never surrendered to Him. And if that's you, and you've been lulled in thinking, I'm okay because I've got church membership, or I take communion, I was confirmed, whatever it might be. But you look and you say, you know what? I'm not a worshiper of Jesus Christ. I don't love Jesus Christ. My heart is not to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to repent and surrender your life to Him right now. Give up religion and just say, God, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm surrendering now. And drive a stake in the ground. Are you guys, are you truly a follower of Christ? Are you truly a worshiper of Christ? This last challenge before I pray for us. Are you willing to suffer for your Savior's glory and His mission? Matt, why don't you in the band? Why don't you come on up? Are you you willing to suffer for the Savior's glory and for His mission? What have you been trying to gain in this world that you need to let go of? God has a cross for you to carry. Do you accept it? Can you embrace it? Can you embrace the cross He wants you to carry as a tutor and as a catalyst for God's glory and for His story? Let's pray and just just ponder these things. Lord, um, I I declare this is not uh, an an atmosphere, an environment of of shame or condemnation, Father, for people to question their salvation, God. Um, I pray just for the continued work of the Holy Spirit for for people to know this, that how solid we are in Christ and that you work through us even when we sin, even when we betray you, God, you work through us. But God, I do pray in the name of Jesus for a strong conviction on any man, any woman, any student, any boy and girl in here that to receive the sweet crush to think, I have never, ever loved Jesus. I have never really had a heart to follow Jesus. And today's the last day. God, I surrender to you. And if you need help with that during this time of communion, if uh, if you need to pray, find me, um, or just spend some time alone. If, if you make some commitments to Christ this morning, I challenge you to find somebody, a leader here, and just tell them and just ask somebody to pray with you So so that So that others can know and kind of walk with you. And Lord, as we ponder this, as we sing to you, as we take communion, Lord, we proclaim, God, that we're not under your judgment anymore. You love us so much to rebuke us, not to condemn us, but to rebuke us when we're on the wrong path. But you welcome us to the table, saying, Here I am. I died for you. I rose again. You're mine. Help us as we uh, respond to you through this time. In Jesus' name, amen.